you know, in sports, we say you got to be coachable. As an entrepreneur, you always got to be able to understand that the higher you are or the more leadership or whatever your title is, you always got to be getting better. You always got to be looking to add value. On this episode of Access and Opportunity, we welcome entrepreneur Sean Springs, founder and CEO of Winpact. Now, you might know Sean from his 13-year NFL career as a Pro Bowl cornerback for the Seattle Seahawks and the New England Patriots. But ever since he was a young sports star, he's had the entrepreneurial bug. Now, his company, Winpact, focuses on something near and dear to him, impact protection in various industries, including sports, automotive, and the military. Since founding Winpact in 2011, Sean has leveraged the lessons and connections from his time in the NFL to evolve his business. I had the pleasure of working with him last year when he took part in Morgan Stanley's Multicultural Innovation Lab in our 2020 cohort. In this episode, Sean tells us how events in his own life inspired him to create technology that can change the lives of others, how he leveraged the relationships and lessons from his NFL career, and how his vision for Winpact has changed as the company has grown. Come on and join me for the ride. Sean, thank you so much for being here with me today. Now, many of our listeners know you from your 13-season career with the NFL, but I want to start with your company, Winpact, which was founded in 2011. So tell our listeners, what inspired you to start Winpact? Yeah, well, I was retiring from playing in the NFL for 13 years, and I just felt compelled because around about 2010, 2011, the Congress had called a lot of these helmet manufacturers on the hill because so many soldiers and football players and all these athletes were coming back with traumatic brain injury and PTSD. And I actually had a teammate that I played with, Junior Seau, who I had one year to play with in Boston who committed suicide. So it was close and personal for me. And I just wanted to do something different. I didn't want to be part of the group that was complaining, how can I help solve the problem was my initial thought when I started with Impact. How did you start though? That's quite a journey to say, I want to do something. This is my buddy to convince yourself that you can do something. Now, how did you go after it? I developed a relationship when I was in New England with an exec from Durrell Safety First. He came to a game and he gave me some baby car seats and he gave me a lot of stuff at the time. My wife was pregnant. And one day I was looking at this new car seat and I saw the initial technology in the baby car seat from Safety First. And I was just like, this is amazing. If you can protect a baby's head in a car accident, could this technology be repurposed for something like football. And then when I was thinking about it, I was just like, maybe the innovation has to come outside of the sport. Wow. Okay. So let's go beyond that because you had some experience in starting a company before you actually got to Winpack. So talk to our listeners about Springs for Life Foundation. One of the most fortunate things that happened to me was being drafted to Seattle because there was a guy who was purchasing a team and his name was Paul Allen. And most most people know Mr. Allen because he founded Microsoft with Bill Gates. And um, when I got drafted to Seattle, I was like, well, it's kind of cool. The team might be in Los Angeles, but Mr. Allen was putting up 300 million of his own dollars to keep the team in town. So I was like, all right, this is cool. And, and, And one of the things that changed my life about entrepreneurship and really backing it up is I was a draft pick and we were driving around to the little small towns and in Redmond, Washington and Issaquah, Washington and say, hey, 
We got this new exciting leadership. I'm putting my own money. We need to pass this bill in May for an additional $200 million in funding for this new stadium downtown and I'll develop Seattle. And I just remember, it was like, wow, this guy's amazing. And I asked Mr. Allen, I said, did you know you can be a billionaire, sir? And he said, Sean, it was not about becoming a billionaire. It was about how could I and Bill, how could we do something disruptive to change the world on the internet? It wasn't about money. And Carla, it opened my eyes because I was just like, that's truly it. It's truly innovation, disruption, and technology. And I started to look around and I'm staying in my apartment in Bellevue, Washington. And I had one buddy, I said, man, I know how I can afford to live here. How can you live here? And he said, I work for a company that's selling books online. I was like, well, I don't know how smart that is. People buying books online. <laughs> Amazon, right? Then I had another friend who said, well, I work for the same company you work for. Mr. Allen owns Microsoft. So I work at Microsoft. We create a millionaire every 12 days. So at 21, 22 years old, I started to see in Seattle was a whole, the Silicon Forest was a whole different animal. It was just companies after companies and that entrepreneurial spirit was way beyond what I seen in athletics. And it's just kind of right place at the right time being 21, 22 years old and seeing my buddy like, dude, you just made like, would you just sold a company? Like, and it was just, it was just amazing. It was happening. And this is 1997, right? And you had the crash and stuff, but the companies, they were just coming out of Microsoft seemed like every week a new company was showing up. And that was my first introduction to entrepreneurship. I loved it. All right. So that started Springs for Life Foundation. And what sparked that idea? In life, I believe everyone is put on earth to provide a service to others. So for me, you know, being a professional athlete, how could I inspire the next generation of people and start a foundation that's giving back to underprivileged youth, you know, to make sure that they have a chance? And I said, how can I use my influence and who I am to really make a difference and change uh, to bring awareness to like there's people in our own country, in this city who are unfortunate, who are starving, who need help. So that's probably where you first started to understand the power of your platform and the power of your voice and using the other parts of Sean Spring. What did you learn about starting the foundation, about running the foundation, about interacting with the foundation that impacted how you got WinPAC started? Yeah, well, well, the biggest thing for me is, you know, anytime you're dealing with a foundation or nonprofit, you want to make sure that everything is set up and organized in a way. So the biggest thing for me is making sure I had the right professionals, the right team around me. I was fortunate enough that I was doing so much community service with the Seahawks. There was a lady named Carter Marin there, and I just grabbed her away from the Seahawks, and she kind of helped me with my foundation. And what we did was not only use my celebrity to raise money, but I was also a Nike athlete for 13 years. So what I wanted to do is say, hey, you know, Nike, I will uh, be a spokesperson, get all the free stuff, but I need you to support inner city kids. I need Nike to support me with the equipment and shoes or cleats. So what I learned is one, that just structures everything and makes sure things that were set up uh, to be efficient. And two, leverage your network. Yes. So that's another playbook point that I would like our listeners to hear is around the power of relationships, leveraging the relationships, and frankly, the power of the ask. You don't ask, you don't get. So let's talk about that journey when you decided to get WinPack started and that journey of getting people to listen to you and frankly, to divorce their athlete or whatever perceptions they had about an athlete versus a businessman that they could invest in. 
So one of the things I think is important to know for me when I started Wimpack in the early days is I spent the first three years doing my own business intelligence, independent studies, working on and looking at who was building products and how they were building products, talking to all the sporting goods companies and how they built products, who owns them, what's their influencers. And then I wanted to know how some of the most innovative companies in the world are developing products. If you think of a product, an automobile is when you think about innovation, they are best one, because safety is a premium. And two, because they're always looking for innovation and they're the foundation of our country when it comes to engineers and innovation. So I spent the first couple of years meeting with Harley Davidson, GM, uh, Adian, going to all the sports guys before I even went out to any really outside investors, maybe one or two friends. But I put the first half million dollars of my own money in it. Since then, we have raised dollars from high net worth individuals and institutional investors. And, you know, quite honestly, it was a challenge. It's been a challenge in the sense that I've been able to raise a little bit over six million bucks, but it's been like one of those things over years. I always have to meet the milestone. I always have to prove it. I never got the lump sum up front. And the reason, you know, it was a challenge to me, because when you come from sports, here's the common theme in sports to win. If I work hard, if I discipline myself, if I detail my work and I surround myself with a good team and network, you win in sports usually, right? Yes, <laughs> yes. Right? You know, you win in sports. It is the case in business, but not always the case in business. And that was frustrating to me. And quite honestly, I learned more about just understanding the storytelling and the message you need to be able to portray to investors in the last probably six, seven months, Ben and Morgan Stanley was one of the best things that came out of just being a part of the cohort. Let's unpack that a little bit for our listeners, because I think there's some playbook points and some parallels that we can draw. You said in sports, in order to win, if you work hard, if you discipline yourself, if you surround yourself with a great team, then you win. But let's talk about if you work hard. And I think that's where the disconnect is, because in sports, if you work hard, that means conditioning your body. But the definition of working hard as an entrepreneur, define that now that you know that game. You know, when you think about business, it's still talking about building that muscle. And you're still going through the journey where you're playing youth football to high school to college and ultimately pro. Same thing with business. You start off as a startup and there are milestones that you meet. You get to the point where you're building up enough muscle and that's working out your strategy, right? Then you say, well, let me fill in a few blanks here. I need a lead engineer. I need a director here. I need this type of person. But all that comes as you you, you got to meet these steps. And when I think about my journey in business, I was fortunate because I always joke I have personally probably more attorneys and accountants than my company did. So they gave me good sound advice on here's some of the things you need to do to build a brand. And I had opportunity to go meet some of the best advisors and leadership people that I surrounded myself but no one's telling you like, hey, you know, you still have to roll up your sleeves a little bit. And some of the decisions that you're going to make, we can't make for you. We can share our experiences, but you need to be able to make those decisions on your own. And, and, and there's a lot of lessons that uh, same in football. I can tell you guys, hey, here's some of the things I can tell you, you need to be disciplined in your work. I can tell you, you need to be good in school. I can tell you all that, but I can't make you go talk to your teacher to, to make sure to make sure that you're getting that grade. You know, 
nobody's going to tell you that some of the mistakes that you're going to make, you're the only one that can do it. So over the last years or seven really years, I built a muscle up and there was a lot of lessons learned. And Sean, can you talk a little bit how important it is to make sure that you surround yourself with the right team at the right time, if for no other reason but to show some credibility, if you will, to investors as you talk to them? Because they want to know that you understand where your gaps are and where the holes are, right? They don't expect the CEO necessarily to know everything, but they expect you to be self-aware enough to know where your gaps are and to have been smart enough to grab somebody that has the expertise. Can you talk about how that played as you talk to investors? You know, in sports, we say you got to be coachable. It's extremely important to be coachable to know that I don't have all the answers. But if I go get this person, they can fill in my gap because I don't have the finance experience. You know, but I know that it's important because when you're talking to investors, they want to know that somebody has the financial chops that can not only speak the language, but that can actually build a model to execute on and you do what you say you're going to do from a financial point of view. So as an entrepreneur, I think probably one of my best qualities, and it probably is coming from sports, is I'm always looking to learn. You always got to be able to understand that the higher you are or the more leadership or whatever your title is, you always got to be coached. You always got to be getting better. You always got to be looking to add value. You, What am I doing? What am I doing personally? And what do I need to do for the business to add value and to be the best version of myself? And, and surround yourself with those type of people who are doing it. Raise your hand and say, hey, I want to go talk to the guys that, you know, sometimes it's, it's a major company like GM and sometimes it's a, another startup in California that you know there's a rocket ship. I hear that. So I realize we've been talking about WinPact as if everybody knows who and what WinPact is. So let's define it. Let's talk about your first customer set and how you use that to go into your next customer vertical. Yeah, yeah. So for those out there, we started off almost as an ingredient technology saying we had this crash class solution. But we like to say we're a technology and material science company that focus on integration analysis of impact padding solutions. Wilson came to us probably about two years ago at the time, and umpires were being hit in the face with 110 mile per hour pitch off the bat. And a couple of these well-known umpires in the league were threatened to retire because they were afraid of concussions. And when they came to us and they needed help, and we said, okay, we can help you guys. Let's look at what the problem is. And we worked together with their engineering team and my engineering team to come up with a solution, a padding solution that was able to withstand the impact of 110 miles per hour pitch into their catcher's mask and catcher's helmet and reduce those forces. And what's so unique about our padding solution or the technology we're talking about is that it absorbs energy and it disperses energy away from the head or the body part that's being impacted. You know, we took a six months to develop the product with those guys and it was on the market. Now it's the hottest product in baseball. And the good thing about what we do, Carla, when we solve in that space or solve in that vertical, we saw for the catcher's mask for Evo Shield and Wilson. But guess what? Under Armour came right to us. So not only can we go deep in the technology of different products within a client, but we can go wide in that space and say, you know, because we already solved it. So we don't have to really go through the exercise of re-engineering again, right? Now it's copy and paste, right? Like it's That's right. Copy and paste into, and you make minor tweaks to their solution. So we were able to do that in over 2020, you know, even while we're in a cohort, I think we picked up like 12 new clients. 
Oh, that's outstanding. Congratulations. Let's talk about the military when they came calling. Yes. And the military is our biggest one. The military product, we worked two years with the Department of Defense. 18 companies came to the Department of Defense trying to solve for their new impact standard. And after the first year, only one company was accepted to continue to go on. And that was WIMPACT. We just found out we're in line to be the new standard for the padding solution for that helmet. We just got one more box to check off with the military. Unfortunately, some of the soldiers can't come on base to try to size us on. But once we uh, check off one more box, it's going to be off and running with the military. And, and that's near and dear to me. It's amazing when you start a company and we all about, you know, making money. Everybody dreams of like going IPO or having a, a big company. But when you can provide a service and some of the things that we're working on in NASCAR to the defense uh, you know, just protecting your loved one and your daughter. So we provide a service while building a great company. So talk to us a little bit about how your vision expanded, because I think one of the issues for entrepreneurs very early on, there's two issues, Sean, that I want you to speak to. Number one, one of the things as an investor in early stage businesses, one of the things that I search for when I'm assessing a CEO is Will this entrepreneur be able to resist style drift? Meaning you came in to do this one thing, but now because you can, you do all these different things and you walk away from your core competency. So that's one thing I want you to speak to. The second thing I want you to speak to is when your vision expanded for Winpact, your aha moment came around protecting football players with the impact that they get day in and day out. But at some point, your vision expanded to, oh, we could actually be in other sports besides football. And, oh, we could actually now be in cars because they protect consumers from crash impact. Oh, the military, they take hits all the time. So talk to our listeners about how your vision expanded and how you acted on that. When I first started off, even though I knew it was football, what I quickly realized just from a understanding of impacts and everything, injuries can happen in a lot of different sports, per se. I'm like, wow. Then I start saying, well, that's a football. I'm like, who else get injured? Hockey, equestrian, military, a lot of different these places was getting injured. So we knew that the universe of the total addressable market of impact protection looked like $290 billion today and expected to grow to $300 billion in the next five years. We knew that was a big market, but my ends were in sports. That's where I knew that we would build a brand. I knew that's where, you know, you get an NFL commercial or three win three awards with National Football League, people would take you serious. So sometimes, even though I know that sports is not the biggest area for us to address, it is what garners their attention and what people get excited about. And we leverage sports to build our brand, but we knew that the advanced concepts will come out of the Army Research Lab and using that government funding and DOD. So... Focus with sports, military, and eventually we get to think. But the core competency we, we started off with was uh, we have this basic technology in the crash cloud. But one of the interesting things that we found out as we were developing and continue to build out the crash cloud, our patent patent solution, was we have a strong understanding of materials in general. So our core competency is just to understand materials and how they perform. And we are hyper-focused. We started with helmets, understand sports and military. But to my engineers, to those guys, a chest protector that's solving for a baseball hit 
and the chest protector to solve for a bullet. To those guys, it's just numbers and materials that address a certain standard and force. Yeah. So in many ways, if I can underscore the playbook point, you went from micro, I want to help football players be safer with respect to crash impact. That's the micro to the macro. Oh, wow. Look at all the other sports and just life things where you need protection around your head and frankly, around your body. So you went to the macro and then you went to, I'm going to call it the hyper macro, where you said it's not just about the crash cloud and the foam. It's about how do you actually solve problems that are around impact and the way that we do that, the how, not the what now, the how is now the value, yes. right? And so, again, I just want to underscore that evolution for our listeners as they think about being a CEO with a vision and staying ahead of even the company that's at hand. Always sort of thinking about how you make it bigger or how you make it more specific. There's value in both ends of that. Fair? Yeah. Okay, so I want to ask you this question. We have entrepreneurs, institutional investors, venture capitalists, high net worth individuals, and even policymakers that all play an important role in the startup ecosystem. What role do you think they each play in reframing the narrative and breaking through the barriers around unconscious bias and what makes it so difficult for entrepreneurs of color to access the capital? What can each of them do? There's more innovation and growth and disruption when people are included in diversity. That's what sparks new ideas and thoughts. Whether you're a, a black male or a black woman or Hispanic woman, white male, whatever. But the collection of all these unique backgrounds and perspectives is what make us better. So as a country, I think, you know, in 2020 has been a challenging year, obviously, because of, you know, not just COVID, but the social pandemic we're in with Black Lives Matter. I think we all know that it needs to be addressed. We need to look at how we're contributing to not being diversified right? and why and, it, and we and we start to ask and everyone is starting to now ask some very difficult questions. You know, that probably would have never had before. Like, why is there only one woman on the board? You know, so when I think about entrepreneurship and this whole ecosystem between the VC, you always got to ask yourself, am I just focused on people I can identify with? Am I just supporting the people that I feel comfortable with? And if that is the case, you're probably limiting yourself to a whole new world of potential and possibilities if you aren't asking yourself that question. And sometimes you got to make a conscious decision to go out and say, you know what, I don't have anyone with a Latino background in my portfolio. Let me go check. It's not easy, you know, even though you might see 5,000 proposals a year, whatever that number is, you got to make a conscious effort saying, I'm going to look for this certain population, this like an investment thesis, right? We invest in fintech, but how about fintech with minorities, right? As an entrepreneur, I think the biggest thing for an entrepreneur is the mindset of just being um, convicted in your belief and saying, you know what, if I do believe I have a great idea, I want to make sure that, you know, I'm exhausting all my possibilities and leveraging my network and the people and going after that and don't just go to the people you feel comfortable with. A big challenge for me is I've made a lot of money, so it's hard for me to ask for money. 
But I know it's not just about the money you ask for. So some of those people who are giving money can open up doors even beyond my network. That's right. All dollars are not created equal. And the reason why I wanted to bring up that point is as an entrepreneur, when you are strapped for cash, you're looking for the cash. But one of the things that I try to remind entrepreneurs of, all dollars are not created equal. The hand that is giving it to you matters. And you should always look beyond the dollar to figure out what other value is being offered besides the dollar. That is such a valuable point to all the listeners out there. And that needs to be talked about as and just as entrepreneurs and VCs and stuff, and you know that matching up is very important. And the third thing, you start to think about the network and policymakers and those type of people. We need everybody to contribute to help make rules that's just not beneficial for one group of people. Real innovation comes when there's diversity and inclusion. I need you to help me and I can help you and I bring something to the table and we all need to be in sync, you know, because I heard one of the most powerful things, you know, when you talk about our country is like, we're going to be in a better place when people who are having success, when they're reaching back and giving to people, you know, that just makes the world better because if somebody's starving, then that means there's risk to you, right? So we have to be honest with ourselves. Like the reason why we're helping others and pulling others in, because we want to make it so that everybody's feeling good and they have a place in society and they can have the ability to dream and imagine a better place. So, Sean, what is the one big piece of advice that you would give our entrepreneurs that are listening today? Uh, What I would tell all the entrepreneurs out there is like the mental toughness and drive that it takes. I give a whole speech on it, but but that drive, that building of that muscle. Hey, you might be a big wig and something else, but you starting all over, baby, in business and you're you're in the youth football league. You got to learn. It's it's work. You got to enjoy the process. You got to be convicted to it. You got to believe in it. And if you aren't willing to hear no, if you're not willing to embrace failure and you only want to enjoy the good times, <laughs> you only want to enjoy the good times, then it might not be for you. And that's okay. There you go. If you're not willing to strengthen that hustle gene, just like you pumped all that iron, the hustle gene needs the same kind of workout. Yeah. And that workout and that mental brain, is, it's always been coached being empathetic, looking yourself in the mirror and saying, what can I do to be better? And part of the challenge is, is just, you know, I tell people every time you got to die to yourself, your ego. You have to <laughs> yep. die to yourself. You got to die to your ego. Die to your ego. I love it. All righty, Sean, we have something that is called the lightning round where we have our listeners learn a little bit more about Sean Springs, the man. So I'm going to ask you a few rapid fire questions and you tell me the first thing that comes to your mind. Are you ready? All right. Okay. Watching a movie or listening to music? Listening to music. Winter or summer? Summer. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Working in an office or working from home? Working in an office. Twitter or Instagram? Not on social media at all, but Instagram. Seattle or D.C.? Both. (laughs) D.C. is my home. D.C. is my home. That's fair. What is your favorite moment in history broadly? When my twins were born. If you had a talk show, who would you want to be your first guest? You know what? I am a huge Barack Obama fan. I heard that. And one word to describe your legacy. Relentless. Ah, you know what I thought you were going to say? 
impactful. Oh, that would have been, that would have been <laughs> impactful, right? <laughs> right? Yeah, all the puns intended. That's right, that's right, <laughs> impactful. I love that. Excellent. All right, well, Sean, thank you for giving us the privilege and the honor. It's been great. That It's awesome to be on your show, and it was great being around you. The limited time we did have, it's been awesome. Thank you all for joining us on this episode of Access and Opportunity. Be sure to stay tuned this season as we speak to more influencers in the sports, media, and entertainment fields who've committed to reframing the narrative for women and people of color. You won't want to miss it. What did you learn today from Sean Springs? Send us your thoughts at carlapod at morganstanley.com. We would love to hear from you. Subscribe to Access an Opportunity on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Thanks for coming along. <laughs>